Welcome back to the Zert Coffee and Chaos podcast, a show where we will talk about anything and everything relating to what it means to be a prepared individual and a survivalist in today's day and age. Back on the show with me today, the unofficial official, really official co-host, Jamie Franks. Jamie, welcome back. Thank you. It's uh, always good to be here. I think we are trending towards officialness. I so. think we are. I think we are. Soon we're going to have... Uh, we're going to have video in this and we'll have you set up with all of the right equipment and we'll just have a weekly show and why not? Yeah. And for everybody that's listening, all 10,000 of our uh, subscribers, uh, <laughs> make sure you're giving um, feedback via whichever outlet you can make sure you're leaving comments on Facebook and Instagram, because I think a cool show that we should kind of work towards doing um, in the next little while, do a Q and a episode where, People that are actually listening yes. to this show can uh, send in questions or comments, and and we can go through and uh, and hit them one by one. I think that'd be a cool show. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, and that's you know we we put this thing out on social media, and we always announce when when it's out there, um, and we always ask for people that are listening to it to leave some comments provide some topics of conversation that they may want to hear about that we can talk about. Um, but yeah, that Q and a thing would be great. I know, a, um, I know another podcast that did that. Basically they had questions over a period of time and they just put them all together and made a whole show about it. So I like that. Good idea. And so anybody listening to today's show, take note, leave us some, leave us some uh, notes. I know you can do that on Spotify. I don't know if you can do it on Apple podcasts. I'll do a little bit of research, but Obviously, if you are listening to this and you're following the dessert Facebook page, you can always leave it as a comment under the post that we will make when we announce these shows. But uh, good, good point, Jamie. Um, how was your fourth? Pretty boring. Um, the, the entire week before the 4th of July, I had family in town visiting. And so I rearranged my work schedule where I was going to work at like 3.30 a.m., but like getting off by like 9.30 a.m., and so then I'd have the entire day to spend with my family. So um, that, that entire week prior to the 4th, I was getting up super early and then staying up all day, like doing activities and, and playing tour guide and stuff for my family and getting up early to go diving with my daughter. And uh, on one of the days on the Saturday before the 4th, I taught a shooting class. So I you know, had to be up early for that. So my family left on the third. Oh. So by the time the fourth rolled around, I was just exhausted. I didn't really do anything, man. I, I think I'm probably one of the most patriotic people that, that people know. And I, I, I usually love getting out there and celebrating the fourth and, and celebrating America. And, and, but this week or this year, I was just super exhausted. Well, the good thing is you'll have another chance. That is true next year <laughs> um we we you know we 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 have some fun here local local group of people we all get together the past few years we've put on our own little show and uh it's been kind of a tra tradition to go and go and make the trek to get all the good stuff and man there was some of the things some of the cakes we lit off were, were pretty wild but overall it was a good time and uh, obviously we love to 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 celebrate and and uh i am just as patriotic uh in my in my mind and i hope in other people's mind so it was uh it was a good day to celebrate with good people and um and everyone came out with all of their fingers so yeah well in san diego we famously have beautiful weather most of the year round and then i think 
<laughs> all of our listeners can prove me right or wrong, but I think if you like Google search best 4th of July fireworks in the United States, I think San Diego is the top. I think we have the, I think we're known for having the best like fireworks display, but the only problem with that is like all the locations where you need to go to be able to see those fireworks. If you go to watch the July 4th fireworks, you're probably still going to be there on July 5th because you can't get out. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Um, And just a quick point about the weather in in San Diego. Uh, I had looked to move to San Diego many, many moons ago and it had, it typically has the best weather in the country year round. Um, Very little rainfall. Uh, You don't, I don't think you get the humidity um, that you get in, or, if I'm if I'm correct, I mean you can tell me, but it's not too humid out there. You don't get the the scorchers, um, and very little rainfall. Right? We have very very tolerable weather all year round. There's actually a good percentage of houses in San Diego County that don't have air conditioning at all because we don't need it for eighty right. to ninety percent of the year. Yeah. And typically here, we get slammed in. September and October. So like we have nice weather all the way through the summer and the rest of the country that, you know, and down, down South in Florida and Texas, they're dying from the heat, like in June, July, August. Yeah. Um, we have a beautiful summer all through the summer. And then for whatever reason, we get the Santa Ana winds in the fall. Um, it's where the, the wind patterns shift instead of blowing from the ocean onto the land, it shifts and it blows basically from the desert, like from Nevada, Arizona direction blows from that direction towards California and uh and that brings the heat and then that heat mixes with the humidity since we're right here by the ocean and so typically for about six or eight weeks in like from the middle part of september to the end of october um that's where we get slammed and then then it becomes nice again but like i think i think three out of the last five halloweens it's been like 100 degrees on halloween here oh wow that's obnoxious. But other than that, yeah. Right. But it's it's very nice the rest of the time. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool, cool. Uh, well, it, you know, we had the we had a Fourth of July celebration, and I it was a bunch of us uh, that got together that have lived in this town or come back to this town, uh, and it's the town that we grew up in. So we went to school together. We, um, you know, we graduated together. Um, some of us went off, some of us stayed, and then we've all kind of come back in our later years and kind of reestablished roots back here. So there's a group that, uh, is, is always together. Um, and we refer to ourselves as our, by our zip code. Uh, but it, it, it's funny when I was, when I was at the, the barbecue the other night, um, you know, some people know me for my other business, obviously for Clark Armory, for ammunition and, and all of that stuff. And um, somebody came up to me who it's, it's the third or fourth time he's approached me and asked me some questions. Um, and it, it, the first line of questions happened during the pandemic. Um, and then, you know, when I reached out to you yesterday, I was like, hey, this is kind of what I've gotten, have you gotten this? And and we kind of concurred that we both got a little bit of this information or a little bit of this from people. And we were basically, you know, asked to provide some information. So just to kind of set the story and then I'll kind of bring it back to you is back during the, uh, the pandemic days in the beginning, if, if everybody remembers correctly, like the, everything was shut down. States were shut down. Um, I know specifically this state, 
you couldn't get a permit. They were stopping your ability to get a pistol permit. And everybody's fear at the time was, oh my gosh, you know, I need to go get a firearm. Whatever political party you're a part of, like there were a bunch of people out there on both sides, obviously rushing out to go buy a firearm. And a couple of these people that approached me when told that they couldn't exercise their second amendment right kind of got up in arms like no they can't they can't stop me from exercising my second amendment right and my initial ones was like yeah well welcome to the party like welcome to the fight here you are we've been here for for a lot for a while now and now you're just joining and getting all up in arms so thanks for joining us um another piece that i got was well can't you just, isn't there the, the loophole where you can just go buy one at a gun show? <laughs> and I was like, yep, that's another common misconception that uh, uh, everyone seems to think, but nope, you can't do that. So, um, you know, let's, let's go to the next thing and let's figure out how you're going to go ahead and get your permit. Um, well, I've said it before, like one of the big problems with the second amendment and the application of the second amendment and the restrictions that are placed upon the second amendment that are, you know, that, that this thing that shall not be infringed, all the right. infringements that are placed on it anyway. Um, a lot of people don't think about those layers. Like, you know, because they say it constantly in the news all the time. Um, people think the gun show loophole is real. Like uh, one of my friends that sells guns at a gun show, he, um, you know, there's the curio and relic law that, you know, if, if a gun is made before 1899 or before, um, you can like you can just sell that and buy it and sell it. And you don't need a permit. and You don't need a background check and whatever. Um, so he sells curio and relic firearms at the gun show. Um, but one time I was just joking with him about the gun show loophole. And he said, dude, you would not believe how many people come up to me. And like they kind of lean over and they're like, hey, can I get that gun show loophole? Of course, because he's selling curio and relic firearms, he does, you know that's the loophole, but, um, you make a good point that a lot of people don't think about. And this is one of the things people ask me what I'm going to do when I retire from the Navy. And I'm a, a little bit shy about trying to endeavor further into the firearms industry to make my living and, and my primary means of livelihood, because, you know, the government could turn off firearms tomorrow. And the pandemic is a great example of a way that they did that. Um, and of course, eventually it went to court and firearms dealers and gun stores it became, no, you know, became classified as essential businesses. But there where you live, there's the extra step of permitting. And, and that's actually fairly common across the country um, in places like New York. And you, you live in Connecticut and, and Illinois, you have to have the FOID card and all that kind of stuff. So even if they reopen the gun store, but all these quote-unquote non-essential government offices are still closed you still can't get a permit so the guy at the gun store is not going to sell you a gun because then he'll get in trouble because you're not able to get the permit so there's right. there's many different layers and avenues that overreaching state and federal government regulations can turn off your second amendment rights yeah yeah and, and that's one of the things we plan to talk about dot 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 if you wait that long and, and let it get to that point right right and you know and so so he he started with that and then we had to you know we had to explain to him about the, the process and what you need to do and what you need to go through and I, you know I, i'm gonna see if i can look back and, and figure out when that conversation um happened but um you know so 
whatever that timeline is, here we are. Uh, let's see. Here it is. I got the dates right here. Um, this is 21. So, um, yeah. So, beginning of 2021. So, January. Um, and uh, that's when he got his license. So, he first initially reached out to me. I think it was before that. It was in 2020. Yep. There we go. So, yeah. So, it was in probably May of 2020 is when he first reached out to me. So here we are three years later and he, he comes up to me at the barbecue and he says, Hey, so, um, I, you know, he starts asking me about the, the firearms and the ammo and the, and then he asks about Zert and I tell him about the training program. And he, he was like, he was like, okay. He's like, yeah, I need to, he's like, I, I got my permit. He's like, but I need to get like, I need to get something, you know, like a safe or something before I go and get a gun. And at that point, I, w- I, I said, okay, so why is that? Um, and he's like, well, you know, because we have kids in the house. I said, okay, so the kids are like three and four years old, maybe five years old. No, 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 they're teenagers. Okay. So they're old enough to, to have a conversation. And I, and I asked him, I said, well, do you lock up your kitchen knives? Do you lock up your hammers? What about your chainsaws? I said, a firearm is a tool just like those, those items are. And you can put all four of those things on a table and they will sit there for eternity until somebody actually touches them and does something with them. So is it more about just having a conversation and teaching those young people about firearm safety? Sure. Now, I'm not saying, you know, don't have a safe and don't lock up your firearms because I know here in Connecticut, we just had some BS law passed that was a governor bill where now you have to lock up your firearms because if they get, if somebody takes one of your firearms from your house and uses it in a crime, you will now get charged. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's, I'm not a lawyer, but I think that's, that's window dressing. That's that's some politician that passed this thing that wants to be able to point to that thing and say, look what I did. I passed this law to make everybody safer. It's for the children. But um, it's one of those things that's like really unenforceable. It's kind of like people in California that go to Las Vegas and buy ammo and bring it back. Like unless you're dumb enough to admit that that's what you did, it's it's really kind of unenforceable. If somebody breaks in your house and steals your gun, like that's it's not your fault that somebody broke into your house, you know? Like, well, no, 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 so. no, 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 no. So that's, that's it right there. So if someone breaks into your house and steals your gun and you report it, you are not liable. But if you are, if you have a party at your house and you know, your, your, your pistol is upstairs in a drawer and somebody takes it and goes out and then does, you know, crime, illegal crime, you <laughs> as the owner can be held liable, which is just, I mean, I was at a party one time where everybody was having a few drinks and one of my friends was back in the bedroom doing something else. And uh, then uh-oh. with a, with a female human and okay. um, then somehow discovered that there was a shotgun under the bed and just grabbed that shotgun, took it out in the backyard and just fired it up into the air a whole bunch of times. And then we got a nice visit from the San Diego SWAT team. So, so there is that, right? So now, you know, you have, you have stuff like this, but you know, I guess my my point to to him at the time was, I, I guess it, it it comes down to to education, 
And um, to me, you know, it was it, it was a case of paralysis by analysis. Um, and I, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with that term. I mean, you yep. know, it's it's used in in a lot of uh, a lot of times in business. Um, I, I got yelled at for use for bec- becoming that many times. Um, and so to me, you know, it kind of it made me think. And then I don't know if it was the uh, the just the, the good barbecue or the the good bourbon that was flowing, but my answer became pretty uh pretty jedi if you will very 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 thoughtful and very very calculated and he the look on his face after was just like yeah i guess you're right like that makes a lot of sense and i'm glad that i'm glad that it it did and i'm glad that it clicked and i hope that it clicked to the point where if i see him at next year's barbecue he tells me about the the firearm that he got, or he just starts ordering ammo. Um, <laughs> but he's he's no longer in this kind of holding pattern, and and again that that's my hope. Um, and you know, I don't know if it's if it's going to be truthful, but do you have you had situations like that where people are just like, you know, I don't know which way to go. What do I do? Well, yeah. So let me let me touch on a, a few points. Um, number one, he he talked about um, needing to buy a safe first and and having a safe place to put the gun first because there's kids in the house and whatever. Um, I, I'm a parent, and I've I've been told I'm a pretty good one. And one of the best things that I think I've done as a parent in general across the board for everything is don't build energy around stuff like. And an example of that is TV or junk food or whatever. Like I, I know people that have told their kids like, you cannot have junk food. It's bad for you. It will make you fat and you'll die. And they built. And so now, now junk food has this like magical energy that acts like a magnet. And so as soon as that kid goes over to their friend's house where their friend is allowed to have junk food, they're going to eat 90 pounds of it. Right. Right. If you tell your kid, you cannot like, you can only watch TV for 30 minutes a day or whatever. Like as soon as they go over to their friend's house or whatever, they're going to be glued to the TV. Right. And if you tell your kids that these guns are these big, bad, evil, mystical things that can, you know, that can dispense with the 30 magazine clip in, in one and a half second or whatever. Um, <laughs> clip a zine. As soon as they're, as soon as they go to their friend's house and they're playing hide and seek and they do find that gun that's that's in a shoebox in the closet or or that shotgun under the bed that i that i talked about a second ago they're going to be drawn to it like a magnet with my daughter if she wants a piece of candy i give her a piece of candy and so now when she goes to her friend's house and sees a piece of candy she doesn't really care right if she wants a soda every once in a while I'll let her have a soda and when we go to a restaurant 95 percent of the time all she wants is water she can have a soda if she wanted one but she chooses water because right. I let her have soda in small doses and she's fine with it. And there's no energy around it. She doesn't care. And guess what? Growing up with me, if she goes to a friend's house and sees a gun, like she's not going to care. I've also taught her that if you're playing at a friend's house and somebody else finds the gun to keep them away from it, tell them, let's put it down. Let's not touch it. Let's go tell an adult, whatever. Cause she knows all the, the five universal weapon safety rules and all that kind of stuff. But 
she's more likely to critique the quality or lack thereof of the firearm be like my dad's guns are with her and that but <laughs> she's not going to be drawn to it and she's not going to be attracted to playing with it or whatever because there's no there hasn't been any energy built around it so right. uh, i would i would really recommend that everybody do that with your kids for everything like uh, don't don't build this electric energy around stuff that's that's going to act like a magnet to draw men but yeah um i had a similar the story you told um i, ha- I had a similar story um you talked about analysis by paralysis um, in the military. We call that operational risk management or ORM. And like one of the sayings that we have is you can always ORM yourself out of mission. You, you can always think of a hundred reasons why it's not good to do this mission. It's not safe to do this mission. It's not the right time to do the mission, but at the end of the day, we still have a mission to get done and we still have to do it. So um, we have to decide ways to mitigate risk and, and, and ways, you know, which risks are we willing to accept to complete the mission? But, at the end of the day, we have to complete this mission. We can't just sit here and think of uh, all the excuses why, why it's not not a good idea to do it right now or not a good idea at all or whatever. Like at the end of the day, we still have to do it. And so uh, I would also encourage people to, to take that stance. And where it concerns the pandemic, I, one of my best friends, I, he's, he's, been, he's been a friend of mine, like literally my entire career in the Navy. We've been friends for over 25 years now. Um, and anybody that's that knows me well like knows that one of my little sayings is you cannot borrow my truck and you cannot borrow a gun right uh, but the pandemic hit and he called me and he's like dude i know i know you don't let people borrow guns he's like because people were scared that that there may be rioting there may be looting there may be home invasions maybe the government's going to take this a couple of steps farther and declare martial law that was talked about in the media a little bit yep. um and so he reached out to me. He was like, I know you don't let people borrow guns, but I, I've been meaning to get one. I've been, you know, it's, it's that same thing. I've been meaning to, I've been, I've been wanting to, I've been thinking about it. And he just, for whatever reason, never made it a priority. And, uh, I said, okay. I said, I will let you, I'll let you borrow a gun and a couple of magazines and some ammo, but you have to promise me that as soon as they reopen stores, you're going to go buy a gun. And so, I let him uh, borrow a Glock and a few magazines and ammo and a holster. And he's a guy that's, that's also in, been in the military as long as I have been. So I know he's relatively uh, competent and, and qualified to shoot a, a semi-automatic handgun. So I felt good about that. And uh, true to his word, as soon as they reopen stores, he actually, I don't think they do. I don't think I've ever seen a Navy exchange that sells guns, but the Marine Corps exchange, which we have access to, they sell guns and ammo. As soon as they reopen stores, he went to the Marine Corps Exchange and bought a Glock and some magazines and some ammo, and he gave me mine back. But um, so, like, this is one of the other. I, I don't know if we're there yet, but like, don't wait until you need a gun to go buy a gun. Buy right. a gun before you need it. Buy yeah. ammunition before you need it, because as we've already kind of touched on, if the government wants to, they can turn all of that off tomorrow. Right. Uh, and. It's it's like wearing your seatbelt. You don't you don't wait until you're about to get in an accident and put your seatbelt on. Exactly, you put your seatbelt on at the beginning when you get in your car before you need it, and right. then then it's there when you do need it. Right, so. and 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 that speaks to you know being a prepared individual in today's day and age. I mean, we we talk about it right in the beginning of this show. I mean, so I want to go back and ask a question. So this guy that you've known, he's been in the military for as long as you have, right? Yep. Did you ever ask him what took him so long to 
get his first firearm? I, I, I did and, because and, I'm, and I'm just curious that he didn't have one. Like uh, you were surprised. <laughs> so I was, you know, I grew up in the middle of nowhere in North Carolina. Um, I, I grew up in a time and a place where like, no kidding. I mean, and, and I didn't grow up in the fifties. I grew up in the, I mean, I graduated from high school in 1998. Um, even as far as into the late nineties, um, you know, half the, half the pickup trucks in the parking lot had a yes. hunting rifle or a shotgun in the back window. I mean, um, and this is one of the things I always tell people is growing up. I, I can't ever remember ever hearing a discussion amongst the adults about the second amendment and our second amendment rights and I my right to own a firearm. I don't remember it ever being a topic of discussion because as far as I know, every single person that I knew growing up had guns in the house. Right. And because like you also, you don't go, you don't go to a 4th of July party and talk about how many coffee cups you have in the cabinet because it's a, it's a totally normal thing. Everybody has coffee cups in their cabinet. Like, right. And when I, where I grew up, when I grew up, everybody had guns. So it wasn't even anything worth talking about. Right. Um, so yeah. So going back to this guy, you know, he's been, he's, he's originally from California. He's originally from Southern California. So I, I think that plays. Um, and, but after 25 years in the military, I think he had the kind of the notion that, um, we have guns at work. He gets to shoot guns at work. He gets to qualify with guns at work. We live in Southern California where there's all these additional restrictions. And, and so I, I think um, it just never really occurred to him. Like, you know, until it, it never occurred to him that he needed a parachute until the plane was going down. You know? <laughs> right. So that, uh, so, so you, so you bring up a good point and I guess maybe subconsciously, that's why I asked, right? So if, if you're, if you're listening to this show, and you live in an area where getting your your permit, if you need a permit to get a firearm, which which then means then you go get a firearm, is a daunting task. It's it's not right, even though there's states that have restrictions that there's that all of that is in place. It's not that bad, um, and it's definitely it's definitely not as bad as having one and then you, you not having it or needing one and you not having it because you decided to wait it's not going they're not going to make it easier unfortunately although i say that and july 1st florida made it super easy you no longer need a permit to carry a firearm so i don't know if that's the same as constitutional carry i I don't because obviously it was made a big deal in florida did you did you hear about that recently Yes. Okay. So, and I know that constitutional carry has been in states around the country and and growing. So I'm assuming that it's it's the same. Um, but I I do hope that there are some, and I'm sure that there are some checks and balances uh, because I think we can all agree. I hope we can all agree that we don't want the wrong person or the or the you know the person that's intent on committing crime to to be able to do that easier i guess um so i'm assuming that there are still some checks and balances so you don't need a permit to carry a firearm but i'm sure that you still have to go through the background check when you go to buy a firearm to make sure that you're not a felon or you know a a terrorist or whatever the case may be but it's not going to get easier is the point that i was trying to make right like yeah so that's if you don't mind me jumping no, in, go like ahead. That, you go make ahead. a really good point. Like, um, again, like 
when people talk about Second Amendment rights and Second Amendment restrictions and stuff, like California is always at the tip of everybody's tongue. And, and this is something that I've told people over and over and over again after having lived here for so long. It's really not as bad as you think. I mean, it's it's certainly not as good as like Florida or somewhere, but it's but in California, you can almost have anything you want. Like really the only stuff you can't have here, you can't have a suppressor, you can't have a short barrel rifle, you can't have a machine gun. Um, you can, and for whatever reason, like when Schwarzenegger was governor, they banned, uh, 50 caliber BMG rifles. Like, you, so you can't have like a Barrett 50 cal if you live here or whatever, but, but within reason, you can pretty much have just about anything you want here. You can have an AR 15. And if you, if you choose to obey the law and, and be quote unquote, California compliant, which is some that I must've missed that line in the second amendment. But anyway, uh, you, you can build your AR in a certain configuration where, where it is legal. Um, and, and up until very recently with the with the there's a little bit of ambiguity with the pistol brace ban and stuff you could even have ar pistols here and like no problem but um the the place that i've lived where i had the most amount of trouble um was illinois because again like illinois places that uh, additional layer of infringement uh, that you have to have the foid card the firearms ownership identification card and uh Right. It took me for even as a military member, it took me forever. It took me like three months and I did everything right. And I did all the paperwork right. And I met all the requirements and, my, you know, like no issues in my background check, nothing. Like as far as I can tell, I, I was kind of like the perfect applicant. And it still took me like three or four months to get my void card and, and gun store owners. Like they're not going to bend the rules for you, no, like, because that put, that's going to put them in a bad spot. Right. But and and hold on, let places, me though, I, I, let me. I just want to. I want to just because yep. I don't know if you know this, but I just want to touch one thing more on that Ford card. Here's what's really annoying about places like Illinois. Um, you have a Ford card, and now let's just talk ammunition for a second, right? So they put restrictions on ammunition and being able to buy it online and get it shipped to you. If you have a Ford card in Illinois, you can you can buy ammo online. Unless you live in Chicago. And to me, that's the most... So, it, again, it's never going to easy, get easier. They're just going to make it more challenging. So even if you have the right to carry a firearm, you've gotten, you've done exactly what you just said, gone through the steps, now have a license to carry a firearm. If you live in Cook County, Illinois, you can't buy ammo and have it sent to you. You have to have it sent to a, 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 gun, a gun store. So I don't know if you know that or not, but... It's, yeah, I did that, it, and that's not new. That was the um, that was the same way went back when I lived there. Uh, but then, you know, where I lived in Lake County, Illinois, which is right, it it butts up against the Wisconsin border, so we could just go across the border to Wisconsin and buy ammo. But uh, it, you didn't have a FOID card. But um, but I was just going to say, like for the most part, with few exceptions, like places like New York and Chicago, and 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 uh, you know certain places in California. Um, the gun laws aren't as bad as you probably think. They're probably not as bad as the television has led you to believe. But the fact is, what you said, it's not going to get easier overnight. Um, going back to, I think, the 1970s, I want to say like the early to mid-70s, even in California, even in Southern California, um, you could go to a place like an Ace Hardware store and yep. buy a 357 Magnum revolver and pay for it and walk out with it. Yep. And so it's been 40 years or 45 years or whatever of systematic little by little by little by little common sense gun laws that 
over the course of 40 years have now gotten us to where we are. So anybody that thinks that we're going to elect this person and when that person gets into office, they're going to wave a magic wand and they're going to repeal all these restrictions. Right. It's not going to work that way. No. It's taken 40 years to us for us to get here. It's going to take 20 or 30 years for us to, to dig our way back out of it, it. You know, if we continue to go that direction, but, but yeah, there's, uh, I always like to say, when's the best time to plant a tree? Right. Either two years ago or right now, but like the, the longer you wait, yeah, the lo- exactly. Be. Right. So, so you know, that leads to the, the paralysis by analysis. And I just went back and I, I read it again. So it was, it was 2021. So two years ago when he was telling me, um, hey, I, I got my permit. So actually over two years, I got my permit. Now I want to get a gun. Which gun store should I go to? He asked me if I sold my, I I said that I didn't. Um, And so here we are, January 2021, and here we are, July of 2023, and he still hasn't made (laughs) that, that, that purchase. Um, And, you know, I get it. You know, there may be financial situations, this, that, the other thing, but at the end of the day, you know, guns aren't horribly expensive. I mean, you can, you can find something, um, uh, you know, for a pretty good price. And, and when I, and I, when I go ahead, just real quick, like since we, you know, we keep referencing back to the pandemic because that was the most recent perfect example. Like I posted this all over social media, that very first, uh, stimulus check or whatever it was that they sent out for for the pandemic. Yeah. I said, the government just sent every single American the exact amount of money it takes to buy a Glock 17 and 500 rounds of ammunition. <laughs> That's great. That's great. But, but yeah, I mean, so there you go. I mean, but I, and again, I, I mean, you know, not, not to discount that because I'm sure there were people that were worried about, you know, their jobs and this, that, and the other things. So I get it. I'm, and I'm trying to speak, I'm trying to be, uh, understanding of, of everybody's situation um, without just focusing on, you know, what mine was at the time. But here we are two and a half years later and still no firearm. And, you know, to your point, what you just said, the, the time to buy a firearm is not when you need it. I mean, it's, it's before, I mean, and just, we can back this up to a, to a, a, a very, adolescent type situation you know and talk condoms like the the time to figure out that you don't have one is not when the when the zipper is being yeah. undone right <laughs> like it's that's not when you want to reach back and you're like oh no i don't have some safe sex material like no that's not you're, you're out at that point it's like nope see you later bub you you done screwed up a ron but i mean so you know Waiting until the government or the world at the time was like, yep, you can't get this right now to go and, and get this. also just to put a little bit of a finer point on it out here, um, when they classified gun stores as essential businesses yeah. at the very beginning, still the only people they could sell a gun to or release a gun to, because out here we have the 11 day waiting period. Um, All right. Okay they would only release firearms to people that had already purchased them and started their waiting period prior to the pandemic. Oh, wow. So, so even then you were brand new customer that, that wants to go in and start the process, 
still couldn't, couldn't at, yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. So so that's so that's that, right? Okay, so obviously you you've had a couple of those situations where you actually had to loan somebody a firearm and I, I can I can tell you that through I didn't this have in, to. I chose to. Well you chose to, right. Um I, I can tell you through this entire process, um you know, and, and even still, I think just as of recently, somebody just said, oh, if, if, you know, the shit hits the fan, I'm coming to your house. And I said, okay, what are you bringing? What well, do you bring? That's another Jamie saying. Right. Yep. Jamie has always said, if, if the, if the shit hits the fan and you show up at my door, you better bring more than an open hand and an uh, open mouth and an empty hand. That's it. So what do you bring to the table? I, and it doesn't necessarily have to be something physical bring a skill bring it bring something to the yeah. group um but you know g- just going back to to that whole thing like okay so i'm sure there's reasons out there to not buy and and we can talk about that but one of them shouldn't be well because i don't have a safe yet Right. Like that, that should never come into play. I don't, and even if it's, even if it, if you are in a state like Connecticut right now where they're saying you have to have it locked up, I, you know, go get a, get a lockbox, get a small little lockbox, use the damn trigger lock that they give you when you buy all these guns and these, that worthless, worthless, you know, cable lock that they give you. But don't not do it because, um, because you know you you don't have a safe, especially if you can provide, like you just said, that the the universal gun safety rules that everybody should know. Yeah, and now they have those. Um, again, it's not fireproof. It's not going to stop a determined criminal or whatever. But now they have those stop box things that are also fairly inexpensive and have been proven to be effective just at keeping your gun out of the hands of somebody that shouldn't have it like a, a child or a guest at your home or, or whatever because it just the, the stop box it looks like nothing it doesn't look like a gun safe it, it just it's just this unmarked rectangle that has like these a few discrete buttons on it and you have to push the buttons in a certain sequence and then it opens and has access to the gun. So, I mean, those are very, those are inexpensive. They're very affordable. And no, they're not, it's not a fire safe. It's not a gun safe. It's not, you know, you're not bolting it down to the slab. Of course But it's something. And it's, and so, but anyway, to your point, that definitely should not be a barrier to entry. No. So, and and then I want to just touch real quick on on something just because we're talking about this product. And and if anybody's listening to this and and right now and and they've seen this product that I'm talking about and, Send it, send it in the comments or or the section below here. But um, have you seen this alternative to um, a cable lock or gun lock where it's a magazine um, and it locks the firearm? And the reason I know about yeah. it is, I'm sorry. Yeah, I've seen it. You have okay, and I don't know if it's the same company, but I remember that I did some consulting for. It was a startup company that they basically had this. It was a usable magazine. Um, but it could also, uh, be like a key could be put in it and it acts as a lock. 
Um, so, you know, in theory, you have this thing in your firearm when the firearm is at rest at home and your kids are around, uh, and you turn it into an inoperable thing, but then it can be used and it's still loaded and it somehow worked. I'd have to go back and see if I could find out the name of the company, but, uh, I wonder if it ever came to market, but anyway, um, there's the, I guess the, the point is there's a lot of different things out there that are affordable that can keep your firearm safe, but buying a safe should not be the reason you don't get the firearm. Now, like I said, there are, I think that there's, there's valid reasons out there. And you know, if, if finances are one of them, then okay. But you know, remember that it's a tool and it's, it, it could potentially be a life-saving tool. And maybe someone can argue with that. It's a life-taking tool, not a life-saving tool, but I digress and we don't that that's a whole nother topic of conversation but you know what can you can you budget again clocks are not expensive right I mean firearms in general I think you can probably go find one for less than 500 bucks yeah and I mean you know to, again not not to try to get into people's business but um, probably if you just skip eating out at a restaurant, six or seven times you've you've saved enough money to go buy a gun like, yeah. i mean yeah that's that, that's a good point too but so so we, we we have that person now who's ready they've 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 stopped with the paralysis by analysis they're at the they're at the one yard line and they're ready to make that purchase and the question that i get and i'm sure you get it too and i'll ask you in a second here the question i get is okay what gun do i buy have you gotten that one? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm a firearms instructor. I'm a competitor. I've been on TV. I've been on podcasts and radio shows, and I try to be a fairly approachable guy that has more than two brain cells to rub together. So, um, yeah, with my background, I get asked that a lot, and I actually love getting It's actually one of my favorite questions to be asked. What it, It's mine, too. It's mine, too. And I think when you and I talked about this yesterday, um, I think that and correct me if I'm wrong. And I think that you said that anybody has that, that has a loaded answer for this. Was that it? Was that, am I on the right track? Has has an answer loaded and ready to go is not the right person. If you ask a person, what gun should I buy? And they have a flat out definitive answer. You should buy this gun. Right. That person does not know what they're talking about. Right. And, and I, and I agree with that. And then my response was, I do have a loaded answer answer to this question that i tell everybody but it's a it's a very open-ended and maybe that's the sales guy in me like i i want to start the start the conversation and not just give you it you know give you something i i need to find out as much information and mine is always is always the same okay first what i would tell you is to you know go to your local your local shooting range rent a 19 glock 19 an mp 2.0 and a sig p320 uh, and now I'm sure if there was a comment section and there's people listening, maybe there's people yelling at the at the radio right now saying, no, what about this and this, this and this? I'm just talking in popularity right now, right? And and I I, I tell everybody to rent those three firearms. They're comparable in size. Rent them. I, I, I suggest 9mm because why not? Because um, there is no such thing as stopping power and blah, blah, blah. But I start with that. And I say, go and shoot those three firearms and see which one feels right to you, which one you shoot, you know, 
semi-good without the training because I think with training you can probably hone all of that, but start there. And then I then the next question is, you know, what do you plan to do with it? And the people that are like, well, I just want to keep it for home defense. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I let's let's start over, <laughs> right? But I mean, you know, do you have something similar? How do you how do you usually frame it up for these people? So I like to I like to make it a conversation I, because, like I said, if you ask me what gun to buy, and I say you will go buy a Smith and Wesson M and P forty cal. Let me begin by saying I have nothing against a Smith and Wesson M and P forty cal, but anybody that has a answer that you need to go buy this gun that I just told you to buy. That person doesn't know what they're talking about. So I like to make it a conversation and I like to kind of take people on a journey. Like when I talk to people about the importance of firearms ownership and the importance of being your own first responder, I always ask them and let's, let's play this game right now with me and you, Chris, Sure. give me three examples of when you would call the police. Hmm. Um, if I arrive back at my house, the house has been broken into and okay. there's no broken in house. That's one. Give me one note. Let's see. My car has been stolen. Car stolen, number two. Give me a third one. Um, Let's see. That's about it. (laughs) So usually people say they got mugged. So yeah, house broken into is a common one. Car got stolen is a common one. And usually I get like, I I was mugged, I was assaulted, you know, something like that. So- and we're going to handle that one on our own. <laughs> so you just told me three examples where the crime has already happened and calling the police now is not going to prevent it. Right. So people 99.99999% of the time when people call the police, the crime has already happened and the police are going to show up and they're going to draw a chalk outline on the floor and they're going to take pictures and they're going to make a report and, and you're going to call your insurance company. But, if you want to prevent the crime from happening, if you want to cr- prevent that harm from being done, you want to prevent your property from being stolen, you want to prevent your home from being invaded, it's up to you. Because by the time you call the police, it's already it's already been done, it's already over. Um, so I like to take people on a journey like that. And so when you ask me, what gun should I buy? I, I actually start with the same thing you said, what do you want to use it for? And the most common answer I get again is home defense, but, and then I always bat back at them. Well, how many times have you ever had to defend your home? And most people, in fact, I, up to this point, um, I've, I don't think I've ever had anybody say that they've ever had to. Most people haven't. Most people have never had to defend their home in a situation that would have required a gun. So saying that you want it for home defense, uh, that's a very romantic notion. And and that is somewhat valid um, that you do need a gun for personal defense. Um, But the most common answer I get is just flat out home defense. Okay, well, up to this point in your life, you've probably never had to defend your home with a gun. Um, it, there's a, a fair chance. I would say that you may not ever have to. Right. Um, so this gun is mostly legitimately going to be used for punching holes in a paper target. Right. So I always tell people get something that's not a known piece of crap. Like get, you know, get some, get a, you know, lean towards an M and P a SIG, a Glock, um, but I also tell them there, and there's one specific gun range nearby here. I say, go to this gun range. They have, they, I bet you, I couldn't name a gun that they don't have. They have like every gun in there for rental. 
go in there, pick out three or four that you think look cool and that don't fall into that category of known pieces of garbage and pick out three or four guns and go shoot them all. And the example I like to use is like a, um, uh, the HK USP. Okay. HK USP is, is as far as I know, is a good quality gun. It's a good shooting gun. It's an accurate gun. Me, Jamie Franks, one of the best shooters on the planet. I cannot shoot worth a crap with an HK USP. There's, there's something about the way it fits my hand. There's something about the way, um, that I pick up the sights or whatever. Like I always harp on passing a now drill. I don't think I could pass a now drill with an H and K USB. That's not because the gun is a piece of junk. It's just, I don't shoot well with it. Um, so that is a factor. Like, so go rent three or four guns that you think you like, that you think look cool, that aren't pieces of junk, go shoot them all, figure out which one you shoot well with. And then, and then let's focus on that one. Right now there's, gun store guy wisdom like you walk into any gun store even if it's me or you the person that's on the other side of the counter just by virtue of where they're standing immediately knows more than you or i do the person on that side of the counter is an expert the person on this side of the counter is an idiot in in every single gun store in america as far as i know um so they have their gun store guy wisdom where they'll say things like well, you're a small girl. You're a small woman. So small woman, you need a smaller gun. That's absolutely false. As a firearms instructor, I can tell you smaller guns are actually more difficult to manipulate. You right. actually have to have more grip strength to rack the slide on a smaller handgun because the spring is tighter because it's a smaller handgun. Right. It's more difficult to find the slide catch and slide release and magazine release and all that stuff in a smaller gun. So that's the kind of gun store wisdom that you need to avoid. Um, one of my friends owns a gun store back in North Carolina, and he says that the hardest thing for him to do owning a gun store is to find an employee that is willing to say, I don't know. So, because they're on that side of the counter, they're an expert. And, and you're going to be hard-pressed to find somebody that says, I don't know. So um, occasionally, I will come across somebody that already knows they have the intention of getting a concealed carry permit. So they'll say... I want a gun that's going to be good for home defense, but I want one that's good for concealed carry. Okay, so now now we do need to have some additional considerations there, but I would still default to let's go to the range. I'll take this gun and that gun, and we can rent this one and that one, and you, we'll see which one you shoot well with. Um, my, you know, my dad, my, my carry gun is a Glock 43 because that's what I chose for my Glock for my uh, concealed carry gun, and he knows that I know what I'm doing and what I talk about. He's like, oh, well, I'm going to get one too. We went to the range and he could not hit anything. And it's, it's kind of that, that same thing with the H and K USP for me. Like you need to find a gun that you're going to be comfortable with, that you're going to shoot well. And that fits your hand. That's a big, that, that's why I've always said like I shoot SIGs really well because the way SIGs are made, it's like they're made for my hands. Um, so all of those things are a factor. Don't listen to gun store guys. Don't listen to anybody that says you need to buy this gun. And, uh, it's in your best interest to do a little bit of trial trial and error and actually go somewhere where you can actually shoot the gun. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think that's what, and that's kind of why I tell them, see, go rent the, the three most popular handguns right now in, in, in just in the market. Right. And, um, and whether that's for, you know, ease of, uh, I don't know, finding stuff because at the end of the day if you were going to carry it you do need to find a good holster obviously all of those things are important um and then 
you know, for getting stuff done as far as, you know, for parts and whatnot, going out and finding something that they don't make anymore. Like, I, you know, I have a Hudson H9. Love it. I'll never carry it. <laughs> I mean, I'll never carry it. I don't even think I've shot it. I want it. And the company went out of business and I, it will sit there in the safe and that will be the only kind of safe queen that I have. But I won't shoot it because you can't, you know, can't do anything with it if it, if it breaks. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I, and, and so we take them down that path, you know, we, you, me, whoever. Um, and then the, the, again, that next question is, okay, well, you know, I want to carry and, and I really hope it's the, the, that guy at the gun store telling the female that she needs a smaller gun because it's, he's looking out for how she's going to carry, you know, how are you going to, well, how are you going to carry that firearm? It's like, I mean, you know, firearms can be concealed. There's that great video out there. I think, I think the company is Dean Adams. Have you heard of him? Female. No, I haven't. Okay. Well, it's a, it's a company and, there, and there's a great video where a, 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 a female is walking up and she's wearing like a, a white blouse and like a, um, a, a skirt type thing. And she comes walking up and she ends up pulling, I think it was like nine firearms off her person in concealed positions. Like she had like the belly band on. There was one in there. She had the thigh holster on. She had one in there. She had one in the purse. She had them all over. And it was just, obviously the, the company makes those garments to conceal firearms. So yeah, I was invited to be a speaker at a concealed carry class, like maybe like 15 years ago. And the instructor came in just dressed in like normal street clothes, just blue jeans and a shirt and, you know, just normal clothes and uh, went through his whole introduction. My name is John Brown and we're, you know, this is a class. It's going to be this many hours. This is what we're going to cover. This is what we're going to talk about when you're done. I'm going to provide you with this paperwork and you need to send it in and blah, 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 blah. He did this whole 10 to 15 minute introduction. And then at the end of it, he said, Oh, by the way, I'm carrying eight guns on me right now. And, and then he, went through like produced all eight guns and that was like a big wake-up call for like all the people in the class and that was the first time i had ever seen anything like that and i thought it was pretty cool too oh wow that's wild um so at the end of the day you know getting asked that question you 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 brought up and i i think i'm very similar with that you know we engage in a conversation um and it's good to get their input and I don't ever, I guess I don't ever really want to tell somebody, you know, that they're wrong. Uh, I usually like to say, well, you know, um, all right, or whether they're right or wrong and whether they're right, you know, it's, you're not, you're not wrong. You never say that you never tell them that they're right. And again, that gun store guy may be, he's, he's not wrong, but he's not right. So, you know, I, I lead them into that kind of that open discussion of, of why. And I guess I would always love to hear the feedback six months later. And, and I got that right here two years later that the feedback that was given was not used. And I guess the next question, and I found that answer on Tuesday, you know, well, why didn't you do it? And it was like, okay, well he ran into another hurdle and he didn't, and he didn't reach out, but he got the answer on Tuesday. So I think what I'm going to do is probably reach back out to him and just say, Hey, listen, was there anything else? Cause he did talk about training, you know, and, and yep. that, that was a very good, I'm glad that he said that. And when we started talking about Zert and what Zert is and the training that, you know, that we offer, 
that's kind of when that training piece came up. And I'm, I'm kind of glad that he, he brought that up because, you know, I got to say, if he told me that that was the reason why he didn't get it, I would have been more, more accepting of that. But still, no, because you could go out and get training. You know, you, I mean, you go get a license to drive. Do you know how to drive right off the bat? No, not really. You, you know, you, you get it by when you start doing it, you're never going to be able to get training if you don't have the firearm. I mean, I guess you could, you can go to, go to a class where they provide firearms, but I don't know many training companies that, that do that. I may be wrong. Well, he's fallen back into analysis by paralysis and and we could probably speak for another hour on how to, you know, properly choose an instructor and, and, you know, a good instructor that's, that's, uh, actually knows what he's talking about and is actually a good instructor. I mean, um, I talk all the time. I've said it openly on social media, like just because a person was in the military, that doesn't make them a good shooter. Uh, just because somebody was in special forces and is arguably a good shooter, that doesn't make them a good instructor. You need somebody that's a proficient shooter, a proficient instructor knows how to talk to people and knows how to communicate with people. And that that's a whole different thing, but, but sounds like your, your guy fell back into analysis by paralysis. And it's like, I get another question i get asked fairly often is hey i'm thinking about getting into competition shooting you know how do i do that and it really and truly and honestly is as simple as get a gun get some bullets find out where there's a competition and show up like that that really is all that's it um there there will be somebody like me there that's very welcoming and when when you walk up if it's your first gun competition people aren't going to be like, Oh, look at this new guy. Let's get him. Like it's, there's going to be somebody there like me that will, if you don't have the right piece of equipment, or if you don't have the, if you don't know the rules, I will loan you whatever you need out of my bag. And I will walk you through all the rules and I will make sure you don't violate any rules or violate anything safety wise. Like um, competitive shooting is actually very, very welcoming. And, and the only barrier to entry, just like your guy is whatever you've made up in your own mind. Like, in reality, the only barrier to starting a, a path down competition shooting is you just have to show up, bring a gun and show up and some bullets and, and you're good. Like go find training. And, and one of my other sayings that I say all the time is marksmanship doesn't come in a box. You know, people are wait for whatever reason that, that I don't understand. My mind doesn't work this way. People are way more likely to go spend 500 or $600 or $700 on a new scope or a new red dot or a new flashlight or whatever, but they're reluctant to spend $250 to come to a course. Like, but marksmanship doesn't come in a box. Like you, you can buy that brand new scope all you want and all you're going to get is a better, clearer look at the target that you can't hit. Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I, I really hope that he that he doesn't, and I hope that you know he takes that that information and just that little piece of knowledge and at least starts the journey, um, because it, it's a fun journey. Um, it can be a dangerous journey, and 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 what I mean by that is the is danger to the wallet. Um, but you know, and I think. I'm probably victim of that where I don't know that you are victim of that. I think you told me that you only have one carry gun. Am I right? I have two, 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 two carry guns. Okay. I technically have two guns that I consider carry gun, but I pretty much carry the same one all the time. The, the second one hardly ever, uh, 
I take it and I shoot with it and stay proficient with it and everything, but I just, I like the other one better. And so that's the one I lean towards all the time. Sure. And, you know, and there, and there's people out there and I mean, you know, I've, I've may or may not have fallen into this where it was like, okay, well, I'm going to carry this one and I'm also going to carry this one. And, you know, I, again, I don't know that I'm wrong, but I may not be right. Um, because sure, if if you go out and I guess, I guess I guess if you go out and you train with every single one of them and you are good to go on all of them, it really doesn't matter. I guess it's like shoes, it's like sunglasses, it's like you know different hats. I mean, you just you wear a different hat based on your on your outfit. And well, that's that's why I like to take a person to the range and let them pick out three or four guns that they think are cool. If they if they're about to pick one that's a piece of crap, I'll kind of try to steer them away from that. But this is something else that I've found uh, that's pretty common is a guy that I work with. Uh, one morning after PT, we're in the locker room changing and he's like, hey, I, I went out this weekend and I saw this gun and I really, really hesitate to. To flat out that you I mean like everybody knows like a hot points a piece of crap and stuff like that, but um there's one certain brand of gun that has a, a very popular following like on YouTube and stuff. Cause there's this one popular guy on YouTube that uses it. But personally I would never own one. I think it's a piece of crap. People buy it in my experience, people buy it because they think they're buying an American gun, but it's actually made by a subcontractor in Croatia. And if you notice like if you can figure out what gun I'm talking about, they're <laughs> like aftermarket parts don't really, exist for it if you break something you have to send it back to this company and then they have to send it back to croatia to get it repaired and then it has to come back and then come back to you and uh he said he's like i saw this gun and it looked really cool and it had this flashlight on it and i thought that looked really cool and, and what do you think and i'm like well i'm not a really big fan of that gun and this is why i think this one is very comparable in performance and capability and size and magazine capacity and all that, but it's a better gun and that flashlight. Yeah. It looks really cool, but it's actually not a very good flashlight. So I, I would recommend this one that's roughly the same size and shape and it's going to fit this other gun better. And you're actually the flashlight you're looking at, you're, it's going to be really difficult to find a holster that fits that light, which is also an important consideration. Very but true. this other one, it's very similar, but, it's easier to find a holster that fits it and blah, 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 blah. Fast forward to the next Monday back in the locker room. Hey, I bought that gun. Which one? The one I told you to get? No, no, no. The other one, <laughs> the one that I kind of explained to him in length, why it wasn't a very good idea, but you know what? It's what he wanted and it's... it probably will be fine. Like it, it's, it, you're right. It, it probably will be. And, and everyone, you know, w w like we, we talk about, Oh, a fighting gun, right. And, uh, well, gun, the gun that you would fight with or, or whatever the case may be, or however you want to, you frame it up. But like you said, when you ask that person, well, how many times have you had to defend your home? Oh, okay, never. The the, the likelihood, and we've talked about this in length at, on this podcast, on this show, the likelihood of you having to use your firearm in a self-defense situation is very, very small, opposed to using medical medical gear or, or skills, right? So, And I'm telling you, it's worth repeating again, I'm telling you, I believe it to the core of my soul. If you're a person that trains and strives to be well-trained and well-prepared like you and I, 
I, I'm telling you, it, it even reduces the likelihood even further that anything is going to happen. I, I, I firmly believe it in my bones that because I'm a prepared person that has tons of training and I walk around through the world with my head on a swivel, not my head up my ass, nothing is ever going to happen to me. Like I, and I firmly believe that. Okay. So, and, and so, so when it comes to, you know, I, I kind of, I actually kind of lost my point there, but when, when it comes to the, the, Oh no, no. What you were saying, it's, he, he, it's probably going to be fine. He bought it and it's probably going to be fine. Again, I, I know that you haven't said it and, and you reiterated it that you're not saying it when you pointed out the Smith and Wesson, uh, in 40 Cal, I don't think there's a, a wrong one to get. If you're, if you are set on a, a CZ, if you're set on a Springfield, if you're set on a, you know, a Glock, (laughs) I know. Yep. That's why I said it. A Beretta, whatever, do it. If that's what somebody's brother's uncle's YouTube guy told you to get, get it. If you ask me, if you ask Jamie, we're going to tell you what our opinion is. But uh, opinions are like armpits. Everybody's got them. Well, and, and then sometimes you can go stink. out and you can buy that gun too. And now you have two guns and it, everybody wins. Exactly. Um, and I, I got to tell you, I've, I've owned most of them. Okay. Um, with the exception of, of, you know, like Canics and CZs, but I had a Springfield. I no longer have that Springfield. I've had a Glock. I've had a SIG. I have a Glock. I have SIG. I have Smith and Wesson. Um, I have a Kiappa Rhino. I have a, a Walther. I mean, I've had them all. Um, what well, I've... I'll tell you, here's a quick little story. Sure. Um, that, that does pertain to this discussion. So for the longest time, I just had it in my mind and it's, it's probably just the, the diametrically opposed contrarian part of my brain. But like for the longest time, I just had this idea in my head that I did not like Glocks. Okay. And so the very first time, this was 2010, I think, um, was the very first time I went and competed in the USPSA Multigun Nationals. And um, that's when I was like fresh off a of top shot and everything. And like I went into the USPSA Multigun Nationals thinking that I've got my like mil spec military configured like M4 type AR-15 and I've got my SIG P226 and I'm going to go in here and I'm going to hand these people their lunch because they may have all this fancy equipment, but I'm a better shooter. So I'm going to use my, my mil spec equipment and I'm going to outdo all these, uh, these competition shooter gamer guys. It was a hard pill to swallow <laughs> that I was partially right. Um, but I realized it pretty quickly that, um, Yes, I was a good shooter, and in a lot of instances, I was a superior shooter than this person that, that was going or whatever. But I realized I wasn't necessarily getting outshot by better shooters. I was getting outperformed by their equipment. And that's when I really had to take a hard look. My SIG P226 is not physically capable of firing as fast as a Glock. So I went out after that, and I talked to Taryn. And I got my very first Glock. My very first Glock was a Glock 17L, the 17 long slide. And uh, that was my first Glock. And I immediately fell in love with it as a tool. 
because it's very accurate. It's very reliable. It's very rugged. It can shoot really fast. Um, tons of aftermarket part support on and on and on and on and on. But for many, many years, I told myself I didn't like Glocks. I don't need a Glock. I don't want to have a Glock. And now I have like eight of them. <laughs> so, you know, and we, and it's funny you bring that up. Um, I've been, uh, I, I, I've been an M and P guy for, for, for a minute. Uh, and it probably dates back to, you know, when I first started in the industry and, and, uh, I was working for a firearm lubricant company and we had a partnership, um, with Kyle from Viking tactics. He was, um, with M and P or Smith and Wesson at the time. And when I got one, I, it just, it, it was like that perfect set of shoes or that, you know, perfect hat or whatever. It, it just fit. It fit my hand right. I shot it well. And then I started to train with it. And I mean, this was a time when we had the, the facility here in Connecticut and it was like three to four days a week heading to the range and putting thousands of rounds through the gun. And it just became my, my go-to, um, and I do, I, and I, and I still, I'm, I'm still fond of it. Um, but in recent, I, I have picked a Glock back up, um, and started shooting with it a little bit more. Um, and I think it was actually when I was with you at SHOT Show, like I picked up that Gen 5 and I don't think they've actually done anything to it. I don't think there's been any change. Um, you know, there is a, a, a slight difference in grip angle from the, the M&P or the 320 to the, to the to the 19 but um something just started to kind of fester inside of me and and i've since gone back to to the glock and i mean i even told you i was like yeah maybe it's time to thin out the safe and and get just go with something that's more universal um and we talked about that we talked about parts and you know again it's whether it's the right thought to have in your head you always think about that end of the world situation and what's going to be most readily available and uh, unfortunately m&p or smith and wesson lost some traction in the market um and i think you and i have talked about this a little bit where and and i think sig has picked up a lot of their market share um with the the 320 and and that whole modular type system um, whether you love them or hate them, uh, whether you are part of the, the meme crew on the SIGs where they, you drop them and they, and they go off, um, you know, I, I think SIG got ahead of that and they fixed all that. Um, and I wanted to love them. I really, really did. But at the end of the day, I just, I don't know that I 100% love that, that P320 platform, but that's fine. It's, I think you brought up a, you made a good point. It's a tool. And the more you work with a tool and the more you use a tool, the better you become with it. So whatever you decide, whether you listen to this podcast, whether you have a conversation with me or Jamie in person and we provide you with the path that you end up taking or a different path, whatever you get, get it. Don't hesitate. Get it and then start practicing and training with it. Yeah, like you, you may have always told yourself because you saw some movie, you, you saw uh, Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man, and you decided you wanted a Desert Eagle. Hey, <laughs> if you want to carry around a nine pound gun, that you know that's cool. And if you want to carry around a gun that you can't find magazines for, that's cool too. I mean, that's your choice. Right. You, you're gonna, right. but I mean, 
at the end of the day, if you point the Desert Eagle at a target, pull the line of sights and pull the trigger, will it go off and hit the target? Yeah, it will. But, you know, and there, there, I run into that too. Like some people grew up watching Die Hard. And so they, they, they want the Die Hard gun. They want a Beretta 92. Well, that's, I happen to be a, a big Beretta 92 fan. So I, I would, I'd be fine with that. But, um, <laughs> wait, like, Die Hard or Lethal Weapon? I, and I like the, I like the MPs also. The only, yeah. But this is one of those little nuanced differences, like the profile of the M&P or the grip angle or whatever it is. Like I, with my body type or the way I dress, I cannot conceal an M&P. If I have an M&P, you can see it. Yeah. Um, but my Glock disappears. Like, so it's it's all these little things. Just just don't buy a gun that's be scrapped. Like, right. Yeah. And and more importantly, and you know, again, when when <laughs> I, I love it actually when we have these conversations because. We always sit here and we, we, we try and keep it at that hour so people are – they can listen to this either while they drive to work. And, and we always go over and it's because we have we have so much to say. But, um, <laughs> you know, a, as we wrap this thing up, um, don't buy a piece of crap and don't buy it and then just leave it at home. Carry it. Yeah. Practice carrying it. Practice drawing dry firing safety obviously safely but you know you can do you can practice i think it's 98 percent of what you need to dry firing right the only thing you can't yep. really you can't practice is recoil control um and uh accuracy right you, you can't yep. really can't really get that but everything else you can do drawing magazine changes and all of that requires no ammo while sitting on your couch watching your favorite episode of whatever it is you're watching and one of my friends that's one of the best shooters in the world like no kidding like he's one of the best handgun shooters on planet earth um one of the little things he always says is that if you dry fire for 15 minutes a week or something like not even 15 minutes a day, like if, if once a week you can devote 15 minutes to dry fire, you'll be better than 90% of everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that, that's probably a very, very, very true statement. So I think as we, uh, as we close this thing out, I, I don't know if this, if, if we got, everything out there some of these episodes like the last one we did obviously there was it was a topic of conversation and we were we were pretty kind of on a on a on a straightforward path of what we wanted to accomplish and what we wanted to talk about i think today kind of went you know all over the place but it it, it stemmed off of a conversation that happened recently and that's what i love about this show is if you call me up and you'd be like, Hey, you know, I kind of want to talk about this, but I want to prepare for it. Okay, great. Let's put that on the, on the agenda. Uh, and then I'll call you up and be like, Hey, what are you doing tomorrow? You got an hour? And cause I want to, I had this thing happen and I want to know if you had it happen as well. And then we kind of just go to town. So. Well, yeah. And we, even though we may have gone a little bit all over the place with this, I do think some of the things we talk about are things that really, aren't applicable or won't be applicable to most people. But for anybody listening to this that owns a gun or has bought a gun, like I think most of what we talked about today, even though it was nonlinear um, is going to be familiar to, to most of the listeners. Like th this is a, these are very, very com common conversations that I've had with a million people a million times. Right. And I guess the one final thing to take away is if you own a firearm and 
people come to you with this kind of question, maybe take into consideration what Jamie and I uh, have talked about and, and the path that we lead them down and maybe take them down that same path. Maybe don't give them a, a, a definitive or an absolute answer and, and open up the conversation because you never know what that will do and how that will kind of lead somebody in their, in their journey. So with that being said, Jamie, if you don't have anything else. Nope. Leave feedback. Leave us questions. Yes. Feedback and questions until next time, everybody. Thanks for joining in obviously and stay safe out there and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye now.